0: i
1: Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 83 of Justified Pursuit. It's great to be here with you. And uh, riding shotgun, is always, the good counselor, Chisholm Cook. How are you today, man? I know we're both running on fumes. I think maybe yours was a more uh, worthwhile cause than me going to a flicker stick concert with my high school buddies last night, not getting home till about 3 a.m. So hopefully you were doing the Lord's work. (laughs) I certainly was drinking beer and listening to music.
2: I, I, yeah, I mean, um certainly was trying to. I think I was. Uh, definitely tired. Definitely, definitely tired. Um, as we touched on just before jumping or beginning recording, I, I definitely think that my time was better spent than watching something called a flicker stick. Uh, sounds Great terrible. band, by the way. No, awesome can't, can't, be, can't be true because you just told me that they released two albums in about a two-year span and only one of them was worth listening to. And when they played the songs from the other one last night, everybody was booing and saying, get back no, to they, the good stuff. So Yeah, booing's a far little from harsh. A, a one-hit wonder is a, a, a great band does not make. Does not make a great band. Yeah, someday. Yeah, something.
1: They were a great band for a moment in time. And it was nice to read your first
2: You know, one time, <clears throat> one time you and I stayed up till like two o'clock in the morning arguing about <clears throat> the greatness of Craig Biggio, who's a 3000 hit club member, yeah. who's in the top 10 in like doubles and triples and most home runs, second most home runs ever by a second baseman, and all of these amazing statistics. And you called some, and a 20 year MLB career. And try to tell me that's not greatness, and yet this dumbass band that I've never heard of, who had yeah. one decent album, you are saying, was great for a tiny period of time.
1: Craig Biggio was—you cannot
2: deny. You cannot Greg deny. Biggio was a
1: a, a very—he was a good player for a long time. He was never great. He was never a great player. Sorry, his batting average is the lowest batting average out of any position player in the Hall of Fame. Just, we're so, just gonna leave that there. So, how many goals does he
2: have? He played for a positions? long time. How many, how many positions and he was did he win gold good, gloves
1: at? But he was never great. So. How many
2: gold gloves? And how many positions?
1: I mean, a great catcher. Gold glove, be glove and all-star was at catcher uh,
2: and second base. Oh, also, look at Craig Biggio's
1: like, MVP voting. Did he ever even finish in the top five? Doubt it. No. Because there were so many great players, and he was on the spectrum of, ah, he's a fringe all-star player every year. <laughs> eh, man, take him or leave him. But you know what? Right. But he played Flicker until stick. he was 55. Stick was and so he got his three. I could have got 3,000 hits if I could have played till I was 55. You could have too. Anyway. Flicker
2: stick is a, is a truly great man. Let's get so back to Probably the game.
1: worst player in the Hall of Fame. Uh, all right. Now that that's wow. out of the way. Wow. Well, no, it's true. It's not even an opinion. If you rank the Hall of Fame players, he'd be at very bottom. That's like, ridiculous. God, this guy's just lucky to be in here. It's just, you're, you're such a sad, sad little Anyway. Man. Anyway. How was church camp? <laughs>
2: It was awesome, man. Um, I've obviously said many times uh, how blessed we are to be part of this new community and be part of this church. Uh, Dude, the kids uh, at our church are... I went to different camps when I was a kid, and I was always the the douche uh, hanging with a couple of, uh, you know... Me and my crew would be the ones sitting on our hands, uh, not singing... Uh, you know we would engage beyond that, but you know we were we were definitely too cool to sing um, during worship time. Although for me, I know at least it wasn't a matter of being cool. It was a matter of being insecure and not wanting to uh, look like a fool, even though I was in retrospect one of the few not singing when most of the rest of the camp would be into it, right? But I always like remember thinking kind of being jealous of the kids who could go and be like just fully into it, right? All in. With the spirit overwhelming them, right? And uh, man, this crew of kids uh, is that. They are all in. Um, we did some really cool stuff, man. Uh, so we were at the YMCA of the Rockies in Estes Park, Colorado, which is a – have you ever been there? <clears throat> no. The, have you been to Estes Park at all?
1: I, no, but I've seen lots of pictures of these elk coming down into yeah, were, like, the city in the wintertime
2: the first night there were two bulls sitting. So we, you know, it's a, it's a big facility. Um, that's kind of on like a knoll in a Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, really big. And, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of different buildings. Um, lots of like, they're not really, they're not barracks. They're, they're more like hotel buildings where it's like, you know, long shotgun halls with rooms off either side. And so we were, we had one building that they had given us, a room in the bottom for our group meetings and then like the boys and guys were in the bunk house right next to, or the building right next to that and then the girls were on the far side of camp and the first night there were two bull elk including one nice one i need to send you a picture of eating in this little meadow that they use for sluts for uh, sledding during the winter time mm-hmm. under some lights like right between us and the main road coming in just chilling there and then the next morning they were hanging out down there too but they were in the brush and uh, I didn't end up saying, They came back out the last night but I didn't I couldn't I didn't get a search, didn't get a look at them. Uh, mule deer everywhere, mule deer fawns everywhere. Um, gophers everywhere. The gophers were mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, but there's, you know, a couple, several different creeks that run sort of the borders of the place and I guess the first morning we were there, me and one of the other leaders and a young boy in our group that's a a, a cross country runner took a quick little run. So we ran down to one of these creeks that borders the Rocky Mountain National Park. You know, like the creek is the border between the Y and the National mm-hmm. Park, which is like surrounds the place on like three sides. And um, found where there's this little beach and you could get into the river. And, you know, this is snowmelt, right? Because it's coming down from the snow caps. And uh, we drove the boys back down there. little bit later and i was just i've been doing cold plunges ever since i started the wim hof breathing and all that stuff last uh, year and a half ago and uh so i gave him a little talk on the way down about like a lot of the theme of the camp was about you know the trials it was it was kind of james one type stuff right you're gonna have trials and um god will be with you through them and you'll be better for them you know Mm -hmm. and uh so we talked about that on the way down and then when we got down there, I was telling them, you know, to me, you are going to face trials and hardships, but sometimes you should face those, and you should, you should, you should do hard things intentionally because they'll make you more appreciative of when times are easy, right? And they'll make it easier to deal with real hard times, right? So that's why you and I go to the Elk Woods and beat the hell out of ourselves, right? And that kind of thing. So, long story short, is I got all six of those boys, yeah, six, all six of those boys to get in that thirty-something degree water. Uh, that first day and you know like when I got in it they were all like no way no way and then I got it and I you know showed them I could do it for like I did it for a minute the first time and then they all like dunked and got out and were like oh and then I kind of challenged them to go for 10 seconds and each one of those boys went for 10 seconds and then the next day we went down there and we did it again this time That time is when I went for, I guess, a minute. And one of the boys, like the skinniest, sort of tiniest of the group, he was like going into eighth grade or something like that. That kid gets in that water for three minutes. (laughs) Like cold water, dude. Three minutes. And one of the other boys is like a minute and a half. Like they're all of a sudden they're like ratcheting it up, right? And they're just like – it was so cool, dude, because these kids were getting tougher and and learning how – hard they could be like right before my eyes right these were they had never done anything like this before a couple of them had done like ice baths and football right but which i mean you know just as cold as that water is but uh you know i taught them how to breathe through it and stuff and then at some point we had mentioned it to the youth pastor and he was like okay we're totally doing a polar bear plunge one of these mornings with the whole you know both the high school and middle school and the boys and the girls so uh thursday morning which was our our last like morning at camp we all got up which the sunrise up there is like five in the morning dude mm. it's so early like if you're not out looking at it by five thirty, the colors are gone so we all got up and went to the middle of camp where they have this little sort of like sort of benches like kind of amphitheater thing watch this gorgeous sunrise come up over the mountain and then we all hiked down there and I got in and I gave the kind of the same little talk about doing hard things and, you know, Philippians 4.13. And and I talked at the end about um, in Genesis, God, you know, breathed life into Adam, right? And gave him the breath of life and explained like this whole thing is all about breathing, right? And breathing is like one of the fundamental signs of life. Like we will, we take it for granted. We do it every second of every day of our entire existence until the day we die, at which point we no longer breathe, right? Mm -hmm. So this is about controlling your breath. And if you can do that, you can control just about any, the way you react to anything, right? So I got in there for like, you know, I didn't even count this time, but like 30 seconds, got to where I could calm myself and could talk to the kids. And they just start piling in, dude. All these high school boys jump in and they sit down like Indian style and get control of themselves. And they dunk under completely. And like all these girls jumped in. A lot of them just like dunked one time and got out and were freaking out entirely. But dude, like 40 kids marched down into the river, And jumped in at 6 a.m. It was 42, 45 degrees outside. Maybe it was a little warm that day, but it was it was warmer that morning than the first morning. So maybe it was close for 50. But either way, it was chilly. Like our feet were cold when we got down there because we were in flip flops. And these all kids all still had the balls to jump in there. And uh, you know, I told them like, when you do this kind of thing, you know, you'll appreciate that sunshine that's going to come out later today in a way you've never, you know, in a way you wouldn't have appreciated it yesterday, right? And so we're like, we're walking up back out of it up the hill and you know, it's, it's early morning. still, so the sun's kind of beaming through the trees and there's a moment where like 25 or 30 high school kids are huddled together, standing in this little pocket of sunshine with their faces to the sun and their eyes closed. And somebody got a picture of it. It was just Mm -hmm. so cool. Like they weren't all shivering. They weren't all, they were all like, everybody was laughing and having a ball and just like the energy was incredible. And yeah, all these kids are just like standing there soaking in the sunshine. Um... I got a chance to talk to this one girl for a pretty good while who had admitted uh, on like the third night that she really didn't believe because she described herself as like a uh, a logical science kind of science she's really into science she's really into math she's she's a logic and science oriented kid and so she couldn't come to grips with the idea of a of a god that you know she has she's she's a 17 year old girl right so she has like this incomplete understanding of the Bible and what God is and all that stuff. And, um, I felt instantly when that was shared among our leadership group, like instantly called by God to talk to her, because that's the kind of stuff I've personally dealt. I have since junior high been developing my own way of reconciling the Bible and, and, uh, like we've talked about, right. The Bible and science. Right. And, um, And when you really can open your mind to the Bible as so much deeper than just like the literal interpretation then you realize that, no, actually, like everything we're being taught in science fits right into it, right? The whole thing starts with let there be light and the big bang sure sounds like let there be light, right? Um, I had 15 other examples when my brain was working that night unlike it is right now that I was able to share. And like, she kept asking question after question after question after question. And by the end of it all, She was like, she thanked me three times, said nobody's ever explained any of this to me in a way that made sense to me. And this was really awesome. So thank you for, you know, taking the time. So, you know, like I told her, like, I'm not sitting here hoping that I converted you tonight, but if I get you one step down a path of learning this for yourself, right. Then that's where we're all at, right. We're all somewhere on a path. So, yeah. That was super cool. She had been super quiet. These, her and her brother had not uh, been coming to our. This was their first time with our tribe group, right? Our youth group. So they were kind of outsiders. Um, the middle school boys are so cool. We were like, "Hey, y'all are a crew of six. Be friends." And it was easy, right? But this girl's in high school. All these other high school girls know each other. Have you know worshipped together and prayed together and cried together. And there's this new girl who's super super quiet. So. You know, she was on the outside almost the whole time and then she shared that with her small group leader I guess on like Tuesday night or uh, yeah, maybe Tuesday night and um, didn't share anything with their with their group. But then after we talked that night, she shared that with her whole group and opened up to her whole group. And all of a sudden all the girls like the rest of the trip like had sort of circled around her and embraced her because she admitted this major anxiety that she has about just even being there but you know and and the purpose of it all and stuff so it was awesome dude um beautiful place uh the ymca of the rockies is quite rad um god definitely dwells there i didn't guess i realized that the y is really like a christian organization did you know that
1: yeah young men's christian association
2: Okay, I didn't even know what the damn acronym stood for. So yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense then, I guess. So funny that the... Uh,
1: so here's the challenge the, for you, the, the, because the I village, remember... village
2: people hijacked it like they did.
1: <laughs> right? Uh, because I remember...
2: Young men's Christmas. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I remember um, coming back from youth camp or coming back from a mission trip to brazil or to the dominican republic or wherever and uh you're on this emotional high for a spiritual high i mean for sometimes a week or two the challenge is to just not you know to not let that be a fleeting feeling because right now your cup is full right Mm -hmm. um so that's always right right now i'm
2: emotionally gassed but yes i I know what you're saying
1: (laughs) Yeah,
2: We got in at two o'clock last night after getting it up, up at, uh, I guess what would have been, like three forty-five our time, the day that day before, and you know going to bed at midnight that night. So I, I got mm. something like until this morning, you know, three hours of sleep in the two-day period. But go ahead. Oh no, that's all I'm going to say
1: is just just to try not to let that be a fleeting thing. Um, oh yeah, try to keep, maintain that because it is. I feel like I wish there was a way. I never could maybe some people can, but to keep that high going for three hundred sixty five days, but there's just something about being in those places where you can feel the Holy spirit and i mean it is uh it's not adrenaline it's just a feeling of completeness I would say completeness and
2: um yeah peace peace yeah peace and and joy and, and all the that's things what
1: that it is. is it's that the the, the, the everything else is on pause, right? It's real life is on pause because you're in this place for a week or whatever it is. And you're removed from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. So it's easy to to pour everything into that. And as Christians, you know, we should do a better job, but then it's like, okay, well, real life kind of drains you from, or drains, it's you can't have the ability to,
2: yeah. Like when you're when you're there all it's god all every second the whole time mm-hmm. yeah right like even if you're just playing a game whatever like the, the the whole time you're in an environment like that it's god you're praying you're you're reading scripture you're behaving you're you know having fellowship with other believers in a place that you know the bible says where, where two of you more and more of you gather in my name i'll be there right well when mm-hmm. a thousand kids and adults are in one place for God, like God is among you and surrounding you and enveloping you the whole time. And then to your point, you get back to life and eventually very quickly, you know, work responsibilities, cutting the grass. Cause it's a it's hundred degrees, but whatever, right? Like you're, yeah. you, you get out of that round the clock, God relational place and back into having to make the devoted specific yeah disciplined effort to take the time for God
1: to be intentional right? you, you, about it. Yeah.
2: Right. You don't have to do that when you're at that camp. It's, mm-hmm. it's just there the whole time, but then you get back to life. And it's like, I have to make that intentional time because there's all this other stuff going on and to your point though. We're at, we're told like, always stay focused on God, always be communing with God. Some, you know, even, even when you're dealing with all that other stuff, Um to your point, And I, I think I appreciate you saying it, I am at a point right now where God always is right there, Mm -hmm. either in my conscience or so close to the, you know, the consciousness that like when when I'm getting angry or frustrated with work or anything like that, like I don't just spiral into it. I quickly go to God. Right. I'm at that place right now in my life. Now I have to maintain that, and certainly there are things that could derail that. But about myself, what I need to do, I think to your point is be intentional about reaching back out to those boys through the week and the weeks to come this summer. Right. And checking in with them and let them know that I'm thinking about them and that they need to be thinking about God to continue to pour into them. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to be, I think at this stage in each of our lives, way more susceptible to just drifting away from that high that they had. Um, yeah. Which which is the role that I've taken. Like that's why I'm trying to why I'm doing this, right? To mm-hmm. so try yeah. to help them get to that kind of spiritual place where they can sustain that relationship. Well, like, kudos
1: to you for <coughs> doing that. Thanks, man. I,
2: yeah. I didn't, you know, to your point, I don't even have the same kind of high you're talking about. And I think it's in part because I'm more or less staying in that place mm. on a day-to-day basis. I didn't get I mean, I spoke of it the way I just spoke of it because it was awesome, but I didn't, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm crashing off of one of those, the feeling that you had as a kid, like you just described, which I certainly experienced where you come back and for two days, you're like, you know, a a righteous warrior for the Lord. And then a week later, you're just a punk kid again. Like I didn't have, I'm not on that roller coaster anymore, but they are. And, you know, throwing myself into this fray, it's my job to help them stay there.
1: Mm -hmm. So um, so we have a retraction because my brother and sister-in-law were not happy with the last episode and some of the stuff that I said about them. I didn't tell you I was going to say this about our conversations. <clears throat> maybe should not know there. they listened. I didn't either, but it, it it's irrelevant. Like I, I went back and some of the things I said were like, oh, I could see how they might cringe at that. So they texted Aaron and said, have you listened to your husband's latest podcast and she's like i assume you're talking about justified pursuit but no i never listen and they're like we're not real pleased with it so i i uh i i think they had every right to be upset and so i if you didn't you didn't notice because you haven't been but i took it down i might edit the first 30 minutes out of it and put it back up but for now it's uh it's it's no longer available and so i apologize to them i felt really bad i mean even the title i said the title was like conversations with woke family members. I mean, they're kind of maybe a little condescending there. Um, so I could, I could have done better. And then I think I didn't respect the boundaries of um, their privacy. Um, so anyway, they both, but here's what I learned. So I screwed up there, but you and I are such open books. Like we talk about this stuff and it's, I don't, I don't really have anything. I don't think in my private life that I'm not, willing to talk about on here that's not the reality for most people um as i've found out like but here's the cool thing is that they were so gracious in forgiving me uh immediately because i sent them a uh like a marco polo a video apology and i sent them an email and my sister-in-law sent me a text immediately and like they could have they could have let me grovel for a couple days sure. and like been pissed off and as soon as my brother got home from work, he replied to my email and they both, uh, accepted my apology and they forgave me. So I think there was a, awesome. a lesson of grace there. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's good. I'm very, thankful that's good. For them.
2: That's, that's, so I would say that's yet another indication that they aren't full blown. woke, Right. Because full blown woke doesn't have room for grace. Mm. Right. Full, i think full, i think maybe true, i can make them come
1: work. i make them come out to be bad people and that's not at all i've right. <laughs> I mean, never
2: i've never felt that way listen because okay. they're the amazing thing about people. the same with my sister the thing about this moment in time and what we describe broadly as, as wokeness right mm-hmm. is that as as we've talked about man all social justice appeals to good-hearted people because it comes from a place of truth that there are people who are oppressed and we should all as Christians mm-hmm. be trying to help those people. But I think from what you did talk about, they're starting to see that maybe some of the ways they go about trying to help those people don't work. And maybe oftentimes make it far, far worse. Right. But regardless, they clearly aren't coming from a place of vengeance and anger. They're, Mm-mm. they are, are drawn to the causes, right? Because yeah. they're good hearted people.
0: Absolutely.
2: I've always, we've, we have always said that. I hope they have heard. I'm surprised this is the first time this come up if they listen on even somewhat regular basis because <laughs> this isn't the first time. I don't
1: know. If, uh, I'm surprised every time I learn we have one more listener, it's uh, surprising to me just <laughs> that it was yeah. my, my brother sister Yeah. yeah. Uh, who I, I, no, I, listen. I, I was so yeah. shocked to know that they listened, but. But then I was like, well, maybe I just said that stuff because I didn't think they were listening. But no, I don't think that was it. I think I was just very calloused. And and like I said, I'm such an open book. I don't even think about sometimes that those family conversations that we had in private don't translate into something I can say on the show. But, you know, I was wrong. So thankfully, they were very gracious and uh, they still love me.
2: Good. And but my brother, I'm, it, he I'm does. sorry, y'all, to the, to the extent that I uh, said anything hurtful. Obviously, I've only really met your brother, Chris, like, I guess just the one time and I haven't met your sister in law. So, uh, to the extent I came off callous and contributed to it, I'm sorry, but I'm sure their beef was mostly with you. Um,
1: but he does wear a Megan uh, Rapino Sue Bird shirt, like, on purpose <sighs> just to push my buttons.
2: <laughs> right. So, you, um, brother. Mm-hmm. uh but also
1: <laughs> R- Rapino, i i sent you uh like a couple of topics for discussion this week and you're like i don't give a crap about megan Rapino. we've got so much other stuff to talk about right. uh but yeah she's uh she
2: wants trans people to be competing in women's sports which is shocking since to your point she's only famous because she's a woman uh-huh. competing in women's sports a biological woman right so
1: and the 15 year old pretty much covers megan Rapino. Club team beat the women's national team in a scrimmage. So let's just leave that there. Fifteen-year-old right. boys, by the way. <clears throat> um Okay, love you, Christopher and Charlotte. Thank you for accepting my. What so do I? Um, love you all too. Sorry. Roe versus Wade. Um, this is a this is a doozy, and.
2: Uh, dude, I... it's not. Yeah, that that's like the understatement of twenty twenty two. Uh,
1: i was surprised when i woke up this morning Lord, that big, the country hadn't burned down yet to be honest with you the way that they yeah, were
2: yeah i i think talking. that leaker did everybody a favor mm-hmm. because it sort of drug this out and slow played it so much that most of the fury excuse me most of the fury had already run its course over the last almost seven weeks since since the leak came out um Go Because uh, if it had been just a bombshell yesterday, mm. there would have been stuff on fire. Surely there were things some things on fire. Oh no, dude,
1: Arizona's uh, their capital building was and I forget which what is the visit it Phoenix? What's the capital of Arizona?
2: I don't even know. Oh,
1: we're that's pathetic on our part, but
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I never memorized state capitals. <laughs> We had to do
1: that in grade school.
2: I never had to, somehow I never had to do that. Huh. I remember other people having to do it, and I like none of my classes ever, it was at a requirement. Or if it was, I did, I just retained it long enough to write them down on a test and moved on with life.
1: So I did see, though, that their politicians were being held hostage inside the state capitol building, and that Mm. police officers had to use tear gas to disperse the encroaching crowd that was getting pretty close to breaking the glass and, and entering the building. And then one of the Republicans was like, yes, there. we'll see how fast we can get a, a, a June 24th commission going here so that we can investigate mm. this problem. You know what? Taking a break from... Well, we haven't really got into it yet, but does anyone even care about the Jan six deal? Like, I don't understand why we we're still talking about that. It was a horrible thing... Oh. It was a horrible thing. We all agree. It shouldn't have happened. Those people, if you want to prosecute them, great. Why are we... It's like a dead horse we're still beating this thing.
2: Which ones? The ones that broke windows or the ones that like talked about Jan 6 and weren't even there that have been arrested? Because I don't think you should be prosecuting those people.
1: No, you should not be.
2: What about the ones that walked in the doors that the cops opened and then politely walked through velvet ropes? I don't think we should be prosecuting those people.
1: I don't think tourists should be prosecuted. Right. <clears throat> yep.
2: Anyway, go ahead. Oh, I'm I mean, just I, making the point, dude, that they have they have looped anybody who dares, you know, be frustrated with the way that election played out into this insurrectionist terrorist cabal, despite the fact that, you know, the Democrats essentially did the same thing, at least from an electoral pressure standpoint, in the Bush-Gore election, and we reviewed the video that was released by those Hollywood A-minus B-listers begging the electoral college to vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016, and then spending four years, you know, claiming that Russia stole that election and trying to impeach a president over it, right? Like, <clears throat> go ahead.
1: Oh. I'm on time. Um, <laughs> so there's there's so many things that are going through my mind right now, but you're talking about stealing elections. And that just made me think of this one other note from this week. Ron DeSantis is passing a bill that makes it a crime to have more than two ballots on in your possession. Did you know that?
2: No, nope, that's cool. Yeah, old Ronnie, he's a superhero.
1: My choice for the Republican.
2: Yeah, dude, it's not even close. Like it has, it has to be DeSantis. It has to be. He and Trump are supposedly doing an event over this weekend, and I, I, I really think, I really think Trump will pass the baton. There's certainly a lot of people who still want him to run. Uh, Neither one of,
1: of us want him to run, right?
2: No, I don't. I don't want Trump. Trump. Trump did his job. Um, you know, first and foremost, I think I said this on the show quite a while back now, but he unveiled to the world what leftism is and how infiltrated our country has become with it. And that's super important because he woke a whole bunch of people up. Mm-hmm. He also gave us three legit constitutional conservatives who just issued the most important Supreme court ruling in a half a century, which we should circle back to pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. style, um, And uh, he taught Republicans how to fight and have a, have a spine and to stop being worried about, uh, you know, uh, offending people who's, who, who you know, <laughs> dude, I saw an article earlier today that was like, you know, how the right lost every last semblance of morality. And I'm like, the the, the party that has people standing outside the Supreme Court holding baby dolls covered in red paint on nooses, you know, basically hanging infants in effigy in their fury over not being able to kill actual unborn children. That's the party that's judging about morality. Right. Give me an effing break right? And, and the, you know, kind of like we talked about going all the way back to episode two of this thing, conservatives by nature don't want to hurt people's feelings. They want to be people of compromise. The left has no interest in that. And by continuously being willing to compromise for fear of offending people, that's how we're in this moment of chaos. And if we're ever going to get out of it, it's going to take people of principles being willing to say things that hurt people's feelings. As Ben Shapiro says, facts don't care about your feelings. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, I think Trump has taught the right how to do that. Uh, all that being said, you know, he'll be almost 80. He'll be basically Biden's age during the next election cycle.
1: Falling um, off his bike and stuff by then.
2: <laughs> it'll still be super polarizing. And there's just a better candidate that does all the same things in a more tactful you know, and and polished and but still just as vehement way. Like DeSantis is a is a brawler. Yeah. Just without the the BS. Right. And I think he's better at picking the battle that needs to be fought. And I think we've also talked about Trump fought every battle. Yeah. All of them. And he made some up, right? Like, you know, why he was still a year or two into his presidency talking about a beef with um. What's that cow that he had the that used to be on, I think the View. I always want to say Ricky Lake, but not her. The other one, the one from, the one from The League of Their Own.
1: Oh, Rosie
2: O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah. I kept wanting to say Roseanne Barr. Rosie O'Donnell. Like,
1: no. Rosie in like Barr's
2: 2005, he gets sideways with Rosie O'Donnell, and in 2017, he's still talking about it. Stop, dude. Who cares? Yeah. Right. You'll never see. You'll see Desantis fight the same fights just as fiercely but with more tact, but that doesn't mean less like, you know, Ronald Reagan and, and Teddy Roosevelt, we've talked about before. These were men that would absolutely take it to their political adversaries, but do it with out the crass and with all class. Right. But fiercely that's DeSantis, without any of the nonsense drama that, you know, you get from a guy who has wrestled in the WWE against Vince McMahon and had a reality show. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: So what does this actually mean? <laughs> uh, the overturning of rope?
2: Yeah, because I... vis a dubs?
1: Yeah. Is it that big of a deal? Why are there people taking to the streets? Screaming and I just... When the, When the far left protests, it's just so mind-boggling how vile yeah. and mm-hmm. absurd it is. Like I'm watching this one lady screaming get your head it's my body my choice and there's a conservative calmly talking back to her and she's like you could suck my you know I'm just like yeah why so crass and I'm not saying that the other side I don't understand also why if if we've won it's the conservatives and this is a good thing why are we having like protesting or or rallying the streets? Yeah. right let's <laughs> just let it go people i don't get it i don't know i've never been to a protest so
2: yeah i don't really anticipate ever going to one either uh i don't know uh, i don't know uh, protests there are ways legitimate and, and, and con- better ways of influencing things than like having this would be things. better that's one way um i'm sure there are others that aren't at the top of mind but um So what does it mean though? Well, the book I'm working on.
1: Because they'll say they'll say they're saying that now women
2: means women are going to die.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. women's lives. It's so ironic too. Women's lives are going to be lost. Mm, But what about earthing persons' person's lives?
2: (laughs) Earthing's yeah yeah no dude. I know. I saw somebody I went to law school with posted posted on Instagram yesterday. Yeah, somebody on I went to law school with posted on Instagram yesterday. A lady that uh, you know they had so. Y'all forgive me for the brain fog. There's a million, million thoughts and a million directions to go with this. And obviously it dropped yesterday. The first question is, what does it mean? It means plain and simply that the states that make up this union now have at the state level the right to regulate abortion however the state sees fit. Whereas before today, before yesterday, the law of the land was that you really couldn't, prevent a woman from having an abortion under, I think that it was basically 20 weeks of pregnancy. Um, It's all way more complicated than that, but that's sort of it in a nutshell. In 1973, Roe versus Wade, the Supreme court made up completely fabricated a constitutional right that did not exist. Even ardent abortion supporting scholars from that day till now have agreed with the Federalist Society, you know, that that, that they made it up. There's no constitutional basis for what they did. Uh, and the opinion written by Samuel, the warrior Alito, Alito, um, details tremendously how that's the case. Um, and then there was a decision in the early nineties called Casey versus Planned Parenthood, where Casey, the the, the justices during that era, Agreed, Roe's a cluster F, it's baseless. However, we're going to uphold the co- what they called like the core holding of Roe, which is that there's this fundamental right to an abortion and all of the rest of it we're going to scrap in place of a new testing methodology, You know, con- set of considerations which are equally garbage and have only confused the matter more. And now all that's gone and it's like, it's a state's issue. Um, so that's the practical ramifications of it getting back to what this lady had said. So a bunch of states, including our state, had on the books what are called trigger laws. Several states had already passed laws once um, Once Kavanaugh took office and there was a technical 5-4 majority if you counted Chief Justice Cook Roberts. right? States started passing bills like heartbeat bans, 12-week bans. The ban in this case was a 15-week ban out of Mississippi. The Dobbs case that, that triggered all this. Certainly then in the last year and a half since the uh, ascension of Amy Coney Barrett, where now all of a sudden you had a legit 5-4 and arguably a 6-3, which is what the decision was. So I would say a 6-3 majority. This tidal wave of legislation came started coming out of red states to go below that 20-week mark. Um, But there's also these statutes, including here in Texas, called trigger statutes, Which were already written, already passed, already signed by governors that said, we will outlaw abortion the day Roe versus Wade is overturned. So they acknowledged that they couldn't outlaw abortion yet, but if and when Roe was ever overturned, it would trigger the statute into effect. And if that took 15 years, it took 15 years. Mm -hmm. So Texas has such a law. We passed that one, that law last year that was going, that created a heartbeat ban which would be roughly six weeks, which said, but it wasn't, it didn't make it a crime. It said that you and I as individual citizens could sue an abortion provider if they provided an abortion to a woman after the six week mark or after a heartbeat was a detectable. Mm-hmm. That had already gone up to the Supreme Court and got swatted down because it didn't make it a crime. So therefore it was not a due process issue under the 14th amendment. Therefore they were able to just say, it has really nothing to do with Roe, but it also sort of showed like we're heading that direction, right? This new, we have a trigger statute that, that says that 30 days after the termination of Roe, abortion is now illegal in the state of Texas, which means that on, I guess, July 24th, every Planned Parenthood, every abortion clinic, every doctor that performs abortions is going out of business. Um, which is, you, you want to know, is this a big deal? It's a huge deal, dude. I mean, they just, Cut a multi billion dollar industry in half through this. With the you know, so Texas stroke. is,
1: is going to make all abortion illegal
2: uh, by, by the end, by this, but one month from now, abortion in this state will be illegal. Yeah, yeah, oh. that's a big deal. So, getting back to this lady that posted this thing on Instagram, she posts that you know, thanks to this decision in Oklahoma, now a woman commits a felony if she has an abortion. Faces a $100,000 fine minimum and, uh, or up to a $100,000 fine and a uh, potential 10 year prison sentence or something like that. She said, contrast that with the fact that if a woman suffers uh, a violent attack, uh, wh- either while pregnant or in front of a child by a man in a domestic violence situation, that's a misdemeanor. And she says, tell me how this is protecting children. And I have fought the urge ever since yesterday to reply. So are you saying that stabbing a baby, an unborn baby in the brain and or ripping it limb from limb should be a misdemeanor? Or are you saying that, you know, domestic violence on a pregnant woman or in front of a child should be a felony? If you're saying the latter, I'm with you. That should be a felony. But should the stabbing the baby in the brain, is that just we shouldn't care? It should just be a misdemeanor. what's What's your point, lady? It was just, it was just nonsense, dude. It's the kind of like this is coming from a lawyer, <clears throat> mm-hmm. right? But it's a logical fallacy. Another thing, logical fallacy, I keep saying, because we definitely need to talk about this gun control bill, too, is people, including the USA today, are saying, what kind, you know, that the Supreme Court is now illegitimate because they say that a, that a state can't regulate gun control, but it can regulate a woman's right to choose. It's like, well. One of those is pretty explicitly in the Constitution, right. and the other one is clearly not at all. So why don't you idiots? You know why it wasn't should, like, it's, it's amazing these because people Because in write...
1: the 1700s, we weren't aborting babies.
2: It's amazing because these people did you know that? Were they, no, they, they were actually. In fact, there's uh, about not, five not, pages. Not wide
1: scale, like I mean, it wasn't a mainstream thing.
2: No, and it was super dangerous, and that yeah. was a time when it did mean a woman was going to, you know. I have a 50 50 chance of surviving the thing but yeah no yeah no i find it amazing that this author you know this is this journalist quote unquote journalist from the usa today can write without being able to read i don't understand how that you know it's like <laughs> you should try reading the constitution and then and then try reading thomas's opinion on the gun control and then read alito's opinion on dobbs and more importantly, read the dissent's opinion in Dobbs that tried to defend how this is constitutional and couldn't do it because it's garbage. And Alito rips their dissent to shreds. And then, like, if you did all that, maybe you'd understand why the yes. states can't take away your right to concealed carry in public or get a permit to get concealed carry in public in New York state, but can say we're going to protect unborn babies. Right. Um, maybe you'd understand it. But, but she can't read, yet she can write it's really it's, it's a neat trick I don't
1: know how so so let's talk about the decision and where each justice lined up so alito obviously uh clarence thomas and then the three trump appointees uh gorsuch kavanaugh and coney barrett all <laughs> yep. in favor dissenting oh. we have Breyer, obviously a clinton appointee uh sotomayor and elena kagan Obama appointees also dissenting. Where's Justice Roberts in this thing?
2: Chief That's Cuck. such an awesome question. I'm so proud of you for going right to that. Yes.
1: Did he just kind of like ride the fence on this thing, or like where's his vote? I don't see it. Like it's
2: really interesting. It's it, it, it's, it's pretty interesting. Dude. So so we've talked about Chief Cook. He is the guy that was the swing vote to uphold Obamacare mm-hmm. um, and several other major divisive decisions in in his tenure as chief justice where he bailed on the conservatives and sided with the liberals. Right. And that's why the the Coney Barrett replacing RGB thing became so crucial as we've detailed, because he was no longer the swing vote, right. He would have to pull one of those five legit, which he has done. He has managed, managed to get Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett on his side of a few things this past year. Um, But things that weren't as like, you know, black and white divisive as gun rights or, or this. Um, anyway, where is he? So the, 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 draft of this opinion came out obviously almost two months ago. It was written in February of this year. Right. Um, we touched on this and then I can't remember if we circled back to clarify some things I learned later, but essentially, you know, that the case was heard last summer and then you know, the the justices kind of powwow after they do oral hearings and they get a feel for where everybody's at. They do some legal research. At some point during the course of a, a Supreme Court calendar year, they'll take a vote and figure out where everybody falls. And if there's a majority one way or another, then that majority, the senior ranking justice of that majority will assign who's going to write the opinion. So in this case, you had... Five solid votes to overturn Roe entirely. Uh, the ones you just named, which meant Justice Thomas. <laughs> He's, He's on such fire. A man, such a badass, dude! Oh, that man is a badass. He um, appoints Alito, and and, and uh, there's an interesting point on that too. But I'll, I'll address the Thomas, the, the, the Roberts thing first. He chose Kevin, chose Alito because he wanted to write a concurring opinion and not write the controlling opinion because he differs in a massive way from the other four on um, kind of an ancillary issue in the case. But anyway, so the, the draft comes out and it even, remember if you recall seeing the version that was published, that was leaked there. It was like somebody wrote in handwriting those five names at the top mm-hmm. saying they're all in on this opinion, right? So it was, you know, the cat was totally out of the bag on that. And what Alito wrote was like, you know, if the Federalist Society and all the conservative lawyers and judges and just conservative thinkers in America could cobble together like the most. You know, like a wish list of, of how to go about this. This is the opinion they would have written. Right. It was scathing. It was unapologetic it hit every single major issue that everybody's been arguing for 50 years as to why this was garbage and always has been and always was um and it was a full overturn etc. Roberts clearly was not on board um a lot of people think that he spent the intervening months trying to pick off Kavanaugh <clears throat> towards a more moderate approach and so that's what his concurrence is so what he did was wrote a concurring opinion mm. most people in this, that that are experts on all this, expected it to end up being a 5-3-1 decision, which would be the five that you named saying overturn it completely, the three that you named saying leave it as it is, and that Roberts would want to thread the needle and say we want to uphold the Mississippi 15-week ban, which would then have moved the, the mark from 20 weeks, it's either 18 or 20, from the Casey decision in the early nineties down five weeks, yeah, but not overthrow the right to an abortion that the original Roe decision created,
1: which was made out of
2: constitution. Right. Right. The the, the figmentary imagination Mm -hmm. of this, the court in 1973. So he would have preferred to punt that issue and say, we'll decide, like he, his take would have was, is, was, and this is what he wrote. We don't have to overturn the core holding in Roe, which was that there's this right to an abortion in order to uphold the Mississippi law. We can punt that to a later date. Not even to say necessarily he would uphold, that he, he would agree that there was such a right, but just that he didn't have to uphold the Mississippi 15-week statute uh, by overturning Roe. That was the needle he would have tried to thread.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so that's what he wrote. But really interestingly, and I was just listening to a couple of constitutional scholars that I follow that about half the time annoy the crap out of me because they're never Trumpers, but they know about this stuff, like know it backwards and forwards. Um, They've argued before the Supreme Court on a lot of stuff and they're big time abortion or uh, pro-life attorneys. Anyway, (laughs) they had thought up until the opinion was issued that it would go that route. And that what he would do, the reason it would be 5-3-1, was that he would concur in part with the decision to uphold Mississippi, Dobbs, their 15-week ban, but dissent in the decision to overturn the core central holding in row that there's a right to an abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, He wrote that that's what he would have preferred, but the decision is actually 6-3. So he didn't actually dissent. Yeah. From that part, which would have made him on an island as a one, he wrote his opinion as to how he would have preferred to have done it, but concurred apparently with the overall decision. And even that, this is where, like, this is where Supreme Court jurisprudence um, gets kind of interesting because there are times when you start splitting this thing. And the Casey decision was one of these. The Casey decision had three different groups with no real majority, right? And so you start getting into a world where later on down the road, when other judges at the appellate level or even at the Supreme Court level wanna make an argument for something, they might pull from a dissent. And this was in this, there was all over this decision, judges from the last 50 years who dissented, they get quoted, right? And it, it creates this like gray area of like, well, what is the actual decision? What is the actual law, right? It was not, I haven't got to read his concurrence yet. I have read the original, the whole uh, main opinion. Mm -hmm. And I've only just started the podcast listening to what Thomas really was getting at, but he didn't make it clear that he dissented from the overturning of Roe, Um, but he clearly didn't uh, agree with it either. And so Alito like boxes him in, in his opinion, because Alito addresses all the other opinions in his opinion, right? He rips the, 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 the dissent, and the three no's to pieces and proves that they're morons who don't care about the Constitution and have no leg to stand on. But he addresses Thomas's opinion as he even goes as far as to say the opinions, the, the concurring opinion written by Chief Justice Thomas from here forth referred to simply as the concurrence. Well, Thomas wrote a concurrence, so did Kavanaugh, but Alito wanted to point out, Thomas, you concurred. Because he called that one the concurrence, even though there's three concurring opinions. You follow me? Mm -hmm. Like instead of continuously saying the Thomas concurrence, Chief Justice Thomas concurrence, right? I mean, not Thomas, uh, Roberts. Sorry, Roberts, not Thomas, Roberts. Instead of repeatedly referencing Roberts' concurrence versus Thomas's versus Cavanaugh's, he just referred to Roberts as the concurrence. The point being, we want it to be made clear that because Roberts didn't have... The guts didn't have the political will or whatever to truly defy us <clears throat> he's with us right. even though he wrote how he would have done it differently and you know roberts didn't take the opportunity to do it otherwise and they those people i was talking about that i've been listening to they said they think the reason that he didn't go that route is because of the leak that even though he would have done it differently because he's what they call a um he's a uh, institutionalist right as the chief justice, he believes part of his job is to protect the reputation and the image of the Supreme Court, right? Mm. And therefore, like the reason he didn't overturn Obamacare and created in that instance, out of whole cloth, a, a nonsensical way of defending that piece of legislation because of popularity of the bill, right? Here, because half the country is ready to burn stuff down over this, you know, he would have wanted to protect the image of the court by not overturning 48 years of precedence, right? But when they leaked on him, and he's got an ongoing investigation into who did that, their take is, this was him standing up for the the members of the the, the court saying, I'm not about to let any crazy people pressure this court through this means ever again. So I'm just going to go ahead and concur even though, I though differently.
1: The left is totally fine with people protesting outside of their houses.
2: And yeah, they're at Tom, they were at Thomas's house last night. No.
1: Camp. I mean, Kavanaugh has someone I don't know how serious the attempt on his life was, but I mean none of the none Democrats will less. will defy that behavior or condemn it. Which is amazing. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But they're super moral. Right. Yeah, no, no. But, you know, because because aborting babies Is an unassailable good thing, and therefore, the taking away a woman's right to do so—to you know stab an unborn baby in the brain and rip it pieces, rip it into pieces—that's such a good thing that the removal of the right to do so should be met with threats of violence, right? I mean, dude, we saw this in the summer of George Floyd, love all violence. the the, The mostly peaceful protests when, like, you know, Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon and all these. D bags on cable news were willing to go on television and say, Whoever said protests were supposed to be peaceful. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's stuff burning in the background
1: on the video right behind you, talking head. (laughs) But
2: but to the extent they would acknowledge it, right? Maxine Waters is telling people to confront people at the gas station. AOC was doing that sort of thing yesterday. Maxine
1: Waters yesterday had a quote. I saw the video where she said, uh, Essentially, screw the Supreme Court. We don't care what they say.
2: Right. They don't. They believe they're righteous and right. And they're revol- they're revolutionary. And to their point, you know what? If you want a revolution, you're not going to do it without a little bit of blood and violence. So they're they're down. They're down with it. Right? I believe. And they, control, they control the information that... channels so they can groom people into thinking that their violence is okay. But getting pissed off at January 6th and breaking some windows is not.
1: Do you feel like they're poking the bear? Like they're, they're just poking. They're going to keep poking in it. Eventually, conservatives are going to say, "Fine, we'll just we'll play your game." Do you feel like that's going to happen? Because I, I, you know, oh,
2: I think, I, dude, I think we're there, and I think this decision, but is, but,
1: but, the, but, but what, the the right cons- is not doesn't respond with violence and looting and rioting,
2: not uh, unless it's brought to them, right? Yeah, you you, you know, you, you bring violence to the right, which is funny, right? Because Once that's
1: like Kyle Rittenhouse, is, you know.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, he dove into that fray, but you know. <clears throat> We like to make the point all the time. What cities are these protests happening? in? Or, you know, what regions of the country like died in the wool, blue states and blue cities mm-hmm. that aren't ever going to have they're going to get to have abortions as, you know, that, you know, in some cases, even after a live baby is born, they're not this is not changing that. Yet those are the cities that are at risk of burning down right now. And in part because, you know, I'll say this. I live in Bolivar, Texas. I'm 25 miles north of San Antonio, which is a pretty left leaning city. Really, pretty left leaning.
1: Oh, just like I'm twenty miles north of Dallas.
2: Right. Yeah, and and the only difference between those two is that San Antonio is one of the you know military city USA, so it's at least like left of center, not full hard left. Right. We've got a lot of military bases, and therefore a lot of those conservatives. But my point is, you know, if anybody wants to start a ruckus, they ain't going to come do it in my neighborhood because they have to have the common sense enough to know that if there's 272 houses in my neighborhood, there's like 270 of them that are armed to the teeth. Right. <laughs> we have our own, un- you know, un unformalized, um, but, but ready to roll as needed, you know, quasi militia in this neighborhood. Right. Like we're, right. We'll-, we'll band together if need be and protect our families and protect our property. Right. And, so you don't you don't see this crap there. What you see is places like you know Portland, Oregon, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where you know business owners, black business owners, have to put signs out front that say, "This is a black-owned business. Please don't burn it down," or "We support Black Lives Matter. Please don't throw rocks that are through our windows." Right? Like they they don't they know better <clears throat> than to go into red territory, and therefore you know.
1: They just burn conservatives, themselves down. It's,
2: conservatives don't have to take that fight to the leftists. Yeah. They just are standing in defense. But and that goes back to where we were at with Trump and this decision. There are ways to take the fight to the left that don't include the violence that the left is so willing and ready to engage in. Well, that's and the right, reason that
1: they're which we've talked about, like the i our version is going on the offensive is is creating laws to prevent you. From doing the things that we know you want to do because you've you've told us your playbook, you've given us the script. We want to indoctrinate sure. children. Okay. Well, all right, let's uh, let's get some laws going to prevent you from doing that.
2: Right. Let's confront it. Mm-hmm. Let's bring it out into the sunlight and show America what's happening and call it what it is. Dude, to your point, when DeSantis called them groomers, how much has that convert? What has that done for that conversation? The simple tag of you're a groomer now. It's,
1: That's a, it's the, really the, great that he did that.
2: Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's the conservative movement, the right, and what I, I see a lot of people now calling the new right. The old right was what I described. It was Mitch McConnell willing to give away the farm to keep from offending people, right? The mm-hmm. new right's willing to call somebody out for being a groomer.
1: Which Mitch McConnell same, and turn, <laughs> turncoat Senator John Cornyn just gave away a bunch of gun rights, which is absurd. But the yeah, rhinos well, need to go.
2: A- agreed. The, the left for decades, if you challenge them, would call you a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, mm-hmm. transphobe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And those were words that were so powerful, they would just, uh, you know, without actual physical violence, they would bludgeon you into submission, right? Well, those words aren't working anymore. You're not going to call me a racist and gonna have me cow to you over that. I'm going to keep arguing with you till I'm blue in the face. I may not convince you, but you're not going to ca- silence me by calling me a racist because I think it's racist to segregate, you know, college dormitories and graduations. I, you, you're not going to call me a racist because I'm not down with Ibram X. Kendi. Mm-hmm. You can try. It's not going to affect me. I'm going to keep saying the things I say. Right. And the new right is willing to not only take that crap, but dish it back and fire back with groomer. Right. And And this, so this is a, it's 1984, dude, this is a war of words. And because the left's words aren't working anymore because they were always a fallacy and they were always BS and their arguments suck. Now they're resorting to actual demon acts of violence. Right now the right doesn't have to unless the violence is brought to us, right? What we can do to your point is pass anti-groomer laws, stick to the constitution at the Supreme Court level and say, we're not buying this farce anymore just because it's been around for 50 years, this is not constitutional, we're changing it. And we're gonna have the balls to do that, dude. Anybody who appreciates what just happened should be praying for these justices, for their strength, for their courage, for their conviction and for their protection. Because what those five, and I'll even throw Roberts in there. What those six people did, I mean, you just said it. There was an, you know, that wasn't an attempt, but there was a plot against Kavanaugh's life two weeks ago. Right. They're out in, in front of Thomas's house last night, and will continue to be because they doxed him yesterday, right? These people did some one of the most brave things we've seen out of—they're not politicians technically, right? But but out of you know the highest level of government that, that we've ever seen, right? And, and I, I go back to Trump, dude. Three of these people were his selections. Trump gave the right a backbone that we haven't seen from the right in a a century. The willingness to take on the left's BS and say, no, I don't care what you call me. In fact, I'm gonna call you a groomer. No, I don't care that this, you know, that Roe versus Wade has been on the books for 48 years. It was crap when it was written. It was, you know, and it's still crap today. It's gone. We're done with it. State issue now, right? This is how the right fights. We don't need to use violence, actual violence, unless it's in a defensive posture, right? We will fight through the courts. And it's important to understand, this decision was 50 years in the making because the extreme judicial activism that gave rise to that opinion in 1973 led to the establishment and the the rise of something called the Federalist Society, which is you know, an organization within college, which is within within law schools, primarily, where conservatives in law schools—you know, the five percent of you know law students that right. are actually conservatives—were binding together, and they were they were sharpening and honing their arguments for the last five decades, for this moment in time. All three of Trump's judicial appointments were approved by the Federalist Society. If you recall, in 2016, he was given a list by the Federalist Society of judges. And every single appellate, you know, he, he appointed what was it, 170 judges in his four years. All of them were members of the Federalist Society. This is the the judicial activism of the 50s, 60s, and 70s that created law at a whole cloth at the judge, the judicial level, versus at the legislative level. Created a pendulum that swung back the other way, and this is the fruit of that—a half a century of efforts of idea of 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 of. of Developing arguments, developing ideas, sharpening and honing those ideas coming to fruition. This is the fruit of a half a century of labor of smart people who believe in the constitution and the liberty that it provides and the foundation of this country saying enough is enough. Now it's our time to push back. Yeah. That's the third thing that he did. I mean, I guess I sort of touched on it just with the justices, but
1: and last week you said uh, one of the and which I think was very important was he essentially Got rid of the Clintons. So another lasting gift from Trump.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He seems. Did you see where she's definitively, I guess, said that last week that she has no intention to run? Yeah. Yeah. So he's yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, let's. So, so basically now it's states, states' right issue. You want to get an abortion, go to a state that allows it. Uh, what did you. Oh, I hate this company so much because they they pretend to be. Friends of sportsmen and conservationists, but then they're they have anti-hunting leanings. And then I just saw Patagonia. Yes, dude. Patagonia will pay the bail for anyone arrested protesting uh, Roe versus Wade.
2: I saw that guy talk. I can't think what of his name. Idiot. But the guy who owned who founded Patagonia, I saw him mm-hmm. talk at a backcountry hunters and anglers rendezvous. Oh and... yeah,
1: I saw where they were all. They had a rendezvous uh, this past week. Did you see where they were all? drinking sap out of trees with straws did you see that no <laughs> i am just it, i mean it's I'm, I'm making fun of them but there was there was like a little festival like just hippies and they were literally licking trees and like doing perverted stuff to trees like mother earth you're yeah and so well, the, like, oh, you know it like, looks like
2: bha rendezvous the tree is not gonna lick itself
1: <laughs> that's right that's right you saw him talking to. Uh, of course he did. Of course he was at a BHA around it. I mean,
2: yeah. right, exactly, right. And to your point, like he he snowed me that night the same way the BHA snowed me for half a decade. It, yeah, he he hunts and he taught his kids how to hunt, and so he's you know the super moderate guy. But then you see the political activism of you know. And hey, listen, I don't know if the dude that founded Patagonia actually had any say. He's old. I mean, he was like eighty. I think when I saw him speaking a few years ago, so maybe he has nothing to do with the political activism of the company anymore. I don't know. Right. But yeah, it's, uh,
1: was it, was it Yvonne yeah. Chenard? Is that who yes. he
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. 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 That dude. Yeah.
1: What a loser. Yeah. I,
2: I don't, I think I own one Patagonia shirt. Um, not, not a brand I'll be investing any further in.
1: Um. before we talk about guns in the second amendment I want to play this because there's apparently let me let me, let me a, say
2: one let me say one thing about that Thomas uh, concurring opinion all right. we'll jump to that so we can put a bow on that so we talked about Chief Justice Cook and the way he concurred without fully concurring right and, the and they put it on record that. and
1: said you are with us
2: right exactly pointed it out, Box pointed, it out. Yep, yeah. yep 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 so one of the things that came out immediately in the aftermath of the leak was that the same fabricated legal rationale that allowed Roe to be a constitutional right was utilized in a case that created a constitutional right to contraception and a case that created a constitutional right for interracial marriage cuz some states, some st- yeah. and, and and the Obergefell decision a few years ago gay that marriage. created a constitutional right to gay marriage that's right it's all born out of the same thing and, and that's, he
1: wants to take these things on or he right, said so, i read this that he possibly wants to revisit those decisions
2: well yeah i don't want to get too deep into it but it's all based out of the 14th amendment which is the due process clause of the constitution that's the thing that said that's basically like, you know, <laughs> what they're doing to these January six people, they're violating due process. It says that there is a that every American citizen is uh, has an inherent right to due process of the law, meaning like if you're going to be arrested, there better be charges. You'd be you're charged. You're given an opportunity to post bail. You're brought before a jury of your peers. You know, there's protections as to how the, the trial trials must be. Conducted right, there is a, there's, you're all owed due process, you're innocent until proven guilty, et cetera, et cetera, right? Back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, they started developing something called substantive due process. And substantive due process for almost a century now has been used to create constitutional rights that were not written into the, the actual constitution. I remember learning about this in law school and being like, I don't even understand what those words mean. Substantive due process, right? It means like, like, do the, 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 the words make sense to you? No. Like, like on, on their face, like, what is, what is it, what could it mean? Right? Mm-hmm. What is substantive due process? It's weird because what it means is what what they, the, 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 the body of law that has developed says, like, even though it's not written in the Constitution, if it's like If it's inherent to what's called ordered liberty, meaning ordered freedom, if it's something that the the country has long valued, um, and one other thing, I don't remember the third test, then we'll consider it a right, even though it's not an enumerated right. What does that even have to do with the concept of due process? Nothing, right? Like nothing. Other than, I guess, if you violate an unwritten right, then you're violating somebody's due process if you will go so far as to call it a right. So that's where it really like kind of jumps the shark, right? Because it's like, we're going to say that this thing that's not written down as a right, you have a due process claim against having that right stripped of you by some state law, right? Or even Uh, the
1: right doesn't exist. So
2: the right was never written down. And so we're creating it. It's, it's, it's like reverse logic, right? Like the right must exist. And then you have due process to protect that right from being violated. This is saying, this is saying the due process clause is an end around back to the establishment of the right. So it's like, it's, it's, it's the reverse, right? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And the words themselves don't make sense. It's 1984 Orwellian newspeak so much so that it's one of maybe two or three things I can remember in law school where I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. So they, the left immediately, when this opinion came out, pointed out, this means they're going to remember somebody even said it, uh, I remember what politician was like. Going after gay marriage. That's right. Immediately, they started with that. Going after gay marriage. Going after contraception. You're not going to be allowed to get the pill. Like some crazy red state is going to, you know, outlaw the pill. And the original draft, leaked draft, and the majority opinion state unequivocally: this has nothing to do with those other cases. We're not abandoning substantive due process as a concept, even though. It's extremely weak. The opinion does point out how substantive due process is a very steep hill to climb because you have to be able to prove all these things I just listed, right? Um, But to me, Alito is spot on when he says, if you're, you know, we can can acknowledge that there are certain liberty-oriented rights in this country that aren't written down. I don't have any argument whatsoever that a woman shouldn't be able to take birth control, that gay people shouldn't be able to get married, that you know, people of different sexes shouldn't be able to get married. Those laws should not be allowed. They weren't written down in the Constitution, but at the same time, that's freedom. That's ordered liberty, right? Because it doesn't affect anybody outside of the one person taking contraception or the two people getting married. Right. There are living no externalities. Yeah. That's right. There are no externalities. And Alito points out, that's not the case with an abortion. There is a third party at play here and that's an unborn child. So,
1: No, they're not, that's they're not, not a child. That's, that's just a fetus.
2: That's yeah, not no, a not child anymore. Even <laughs> Apparently, even Roe contained the phrase a potential life, which he kept using and quoting potential life. There's a potential life involved in the, yeah. in the term of, terminology of Roe versus Wade. So it's not at all like gay marriage because there is this third party. So you don't have a fa- fabricated right vis-a-vis substantive due process to kill this unborn child, right? Thomas looked at it and said, substance of due process is garbage to begin with. And it's so awesome. I wish I had that quote in front of me, but he said exactly the point I was just making like, and I'm not saying it's awesome because I advocate that this gets overturned, or these case, those those cases get overturned, right? But the point is it's judicial activism and the term itself, he actually writes, the words themselves would, are nonsensical even to people who use, he said something like, even to people who uh, use words sparingly and recreationally or something like that, like basically saying like anybody with a handle on the English language can look at the phrase substance of due process and not know what the hell it means. It doesn't yeah. make sense. There's, it's it's newspeak, right? Mm-hmm. It was a way, it's judicial activism. It's probably in retrospect, like the top way that courts make law and circumvent the legislature, right? And the reality about Obergefell in particular, all that other stuff is you wanna make those things a right, pass a law through Congress, right? We've done that, the Civil Rights Act, right? Lots of different examples. They can do that with this. You wanna protect the right, quote unquote, to abortion? The federal government can pass a law through Congress, House, Senate, signed by the president, that says you cannot have an abortion after twelve weeks or fifteen, or you can have an ab- abortion up to twelve weeks, fifteen weeks, twenty weeks, whatever they want to say to that. Do it that way. That's the way to do it because it's not in the constitution. You saw that it- Biden
1: incorrectly commented that like this is setting us back behind the rest of the modern world, and we've talked about this previously. But like, yeah, it uh, Italy, Sweden, Germany, um, none of these countries allow abortions after twelve weeks. Then you, right. and even like Japan is like twenty weeks. Um, so he was you know, certainly wrong on that front, uh, saying that, oh, the rest of the modern world allows well, you know, some states third trimester abortions. Some states like ours, you know? like, states like
2: ours he, he's not entirely wrong, right? Because half of the country will have, well, I don't know, if, at least a dozen states will have outright abortion bans, which will make them somewhat in the minority compared to these other countries just named. Another 15 or 20, you know, 26 states were out of 50 were signed on as participants in this lawsuit asking for the right to be handed back to the states. So a majority of U.S. states said, we want to say when and how abortions are legal, if at all. Right. Among those, like half of them are going to ban it outright like ours has. The other half will probably have a 12-week ban, maybe somewhere like that. So those states will be in line with those countries you just named. And then the other 24 states will let you, you know. Kill it the day it's due, and that will make them like China and North Korea, because yeah. as we to your point pointed out, what they do in New York and California and Colorado and Illinois, only those two communist hellholes allow you to kill a full grown third trimester baby. Not even the UK and France allow that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that so to the point, like he's wrong, but not entirely wrong, right? What it's done, and that's why we're a constitutional republic and a feder- you know, and a federation of states that are sovereign on their own is, you know, instead of one nation having a flat threshold like Italy and France and in the UK, we have 50 states, each of which can set this up however they want. So some of them will be in the minority globally. And, you know, it'll be Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> and some of them will be super liberal progressive and let you kill a full-grown baby. It'll be all points in
1: between. Um, are you ready to move off of Roe versus yes. lane? I'm done with okay. Roe. So Stop. this is a little interjection before we talk about the Second Amendment because I don't know if you saw this clip, but I I feel like uh, I want you to listen to it and tell me if you think this was intentional or if dementia just got in the way again and he said the thing that he wasn't supposed to say.
2: Can I guess before I hear it? Sure. He's definitely suffering dementia, so. All right.
1: Here we go.
2: We don't just need more money for vaccines for children eventually. We need more money to plan for
0: the second pandemic. There's going to be another pandemic. We have to think ahead. And that's not something the last outfit did very well. That's something we've been doing for fairly well. That's why we need
1: to... And and by the way, I'm not taking any questions after that. He said thank you very much and then done.
2: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so, that's what that's that's called a Freudian slip.
1: Well, there's gonna be first of all, let's let's break it down. Right? Sorry. We need more money for kids' vaccines. That's the right. first
2: experimental vaccine. Second yep.
1: is we need more money for the next pandemic. There's gonna
2: be a second the second, pan- the second pandemic. pandemic. It's coming. What do you what do you how do you interpret this? Like I said, it's a Freudian slip. It's been, pl- dude, how many times have we heard <laughs> the word "pandemic"? Yeah, was created by people like you and I, and then you hear these global leaders accidentally say it. <laughs> like there's, you know, you can chalk that up to just a slip of the tongue. Um, but when you say Freudian slip, that means the truth comes out. Right. Like, I wonder if it
1: was instant cognitive
2: dissonance, right? And a man like him who's suffering some from severe dementia is going to say the truth unintentionally because he can't, he cannot maintain the cognitive tension of the cognitive dissonance, right? Like, you have to be real sharp, real sharp to continue to bullface lie like the Clintons or Adam Schiff, that shifty son of a bee, right? It takes a lot of mental energy. Yeah to say things that aren't true all day long to people and to keep that straight and to keep from slipping. Well, the more dementia suffering that you become and the more, you know, aneurysms that you have brain surgery on, which this man has had two of 30 years ago, 20, almost 20 years ago on the second one, I think. uh, Yeah. The less able you are to keep your crap together when it's. Okay. But I'm going (laughs) to
1: throw a different angle out there because I think that maybe, his handlers whoever's running the show i don't know who it is obama. But,
2: obama slash the deep state
1: uh i think maybe they put that out there on purpose just to say hey get ready you know we're, we're telling you now there's going to be another pandemic
2: oh well i mean just to soften so, us so, up for it like wait what oh but like it's the, so it's the way that he said it that's the question right like he could have easily said Y'all, you know, it's just a matter of time before we face another pandemic, because that's the way nature works.
1: Yeah, right? in 90 years, and that wouldn't have sounded historically been, happens about right. 90 years in human modern human history. We have a pandemic. Spanish flu was the last really right. big one. And you don't right. you know, have Ebola and uh, Zika virus, and all these other things. But those are killing like eight to 15000 people. We're talking about a real pandemic.
2: Right, That's, one that they use to shut the whole world down and yeah, these come around economies and starve wants, people and you know.
1: Most people won't experience it in their
2: lifetime. It's the way that he said it. Yeah, we have to we have to plan for the second pandemic because it's coming.
1: There's gonna be another pandemic, and we need right. money for it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's coming. We don't know when or what it will be, but
2: sooner rather than later, it will you know. be
1: about control.
2: People are waking up, so we better keep bludgeoning them into into unconsciousness.
1: But luckily, we will have the ability to defend ourselves in the streets of violence, <laughs> thanks to uh, another. I think did Clarence Thomas write the opinion on this one? I think he did. Yep. Uh, yep. Which basically shot down a New York state law preventing concealed carry, and they. The Supreme Court said, no, that's unconstitutional. You can care if you want to.
2: Supposedly, I saw this this morning. There's a a former clerk of Justice Thomas's that was with him when he was first appointed that claims that he once said that liberals made my life hell for the first 43 years of my life. I'm going to spend the next 43 making their lives hell. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's true. (laughs) I hope he said it. It's definitely, uh, it is true whether he said it or not. Yeah, so in New York, in a, I think it, I heard, it's not that many, a, a, less than a handful, over 40 states have <laughs> liberal concealed carry programs where you apply, and if you haven't committed a felony, and you know you don't owe a bunch of child support, and- you know, maybe Which is what other... we
1: had in Texas up until about four years ago when we went open right. carry.
2: Yeah, you either have an absolute right to carry, which 26 states now, I think, have, constitutional right to carry, don't need a permit or 15 plus more states have a permitting program, which is mostly just a formality, right? If you're a decent person who hasn't done a whole bunch of dumb stuff, doesn't have a rap sheet, you get the right and you just have to go through the process, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to screw with renewals and all that other stuff. But, you know, less than a 10. And I think it was, I think I heard like five states have rules and regulations around getting a permit to carry that make it a subjective individual evaluation versus an objective, like check five boxes and you get your permit. Right. Right. So like in New York, I was just listening to this again earlier today, you had to prove that you as an individual had something that created a special risk to you that required you to be able to carry a gun to protect yourself. In this in the state of New York and now upstate New York barely you know it, it, they hand them out more or less like gumballs but in Manhattan it was strictly scrutinized
1: Manhattan be, the place where you would most likely need to be able to protect
2: exactly America. and Clarence Thomas made that point during the oil arguments on this case that you know that's the that is anybody if you look at what's happening in Manhattan these days everybody's at risk in Manhattan everybody so the idea that you're less likely to get one unless you're you know they point out if you're a jewelry store owner who carries valuable goods and cash around you can get one if you're um you know if you've got a stalker I don't know, maybe or something like that uh they actually pointed out that celebrities which there's lots of those in new york they hand them to celebrities like <laughs> i would love to know how, how many, many celebrities celebs- carry around New York and then go on television and go on media and, you know, condemn this, this type of decision. But yeah, celebrities can get them like almost no questions asked, but just a regular Joe who's got to walk through a rough neighborhood, but is otherwise, you know, just a potential random victim. That's not a targeted victim because of their status or their job or whatever, isn't going to get that permit. And yeah, basically Thomas said, and again, I need to, I'm going to read this opinion. No, no, the Second Amendment does not limit, it says, the right to keep and bear arms. That does not mean only inside your house. That means wherever you see fit. And you can't have subjective, individual-based, beyond the idea that, again, you can't be a felon, right? That's a that's an objective, simple, black-and-white test that everybody can apply, You know that they can apply to all people. Oh, you had a felony, can't get a permit. But they cannot say, what do you do for a living? And why do you need this as a single individual person, right? They can't put these subjective individualistic yeah.
1: boundaries. Then they're infringing on your inherent right which, right. right, which is laid out in the constitution, right.
2: which and, there, and there's and, and, and there's no, which this was relevant in this Dobbs slash Roe decision as well. The law has to be, if the Supreme court's going to rule on something, um, that the ruling has to be, has to so, sort of settle the matter and be able to be enforceable, uh, concretely. And part of the problem with Roe and part of the problem with Casey as Alito detailed was that the, that the new laws that were created through those stupid cases made it a big mess, right? Well, the same thing with this case. If upstate New York is handing out permits under the same laws and regulations freely versus Manhattan using the same laws and regulations and saying you, don't show, you haven't been able to show a hardship, that shows the law is not Equally applicable. There's, and then he probably makes an equal protection case in the. I, I would almost, I would have to imagine that he threw in some equal protection discussion into the opinion. It wouldn't be necessary. You could simply say, uh, "It says keep and bear arms," and this is the bear part done right. Like that's all you had to say in this case, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. You're preventing the bearing of arms, and that's clear what that means. But he probably made an equal protection case too. That hey, you know, if you live in I don't even know the cities in upstate New York, but Albany, I guess you're going to have relative ease getting a permit like this. If you live in Manhattan, it's almost impossible. And therefore, there's no equal protection. This law is, you know, God. barred on those grounds, too. Yeah.
1: So this is what uh, I think her name's Hochul, Governor Hochul. Yeah, that's Hochul, I think.
2: Yeah. This is what she to, had to the say. One that, the one that has like a rapper style gold necklace that says, I'm vaccinated.
0: He has come. And we supposed to go back to what was in place since 1788 when the Constitution of the United States of America was ratified. And I would like to point out to the Supreme Court justices that the only weapons at the time were muskets. I'm prepared to go back to muskets.
1: So there's a lot there. (laughs) The first being is that she references the Constitution. How ironic, because in the same breath, she is decrying its validity. It actually says in the Constitution, we have the right to keep and bear arms, lady. Why are you even talking about something? At the same time, you're saying, we, what, what weapons won that war, the Revolutionary War? Uh, what well, was the modern technology of black powder muskets, right? Thank God our forefathers knew, hey, you can't stop technology. It's only going to go one direction. And that's why they just left it open-ended. You have the rights. Let's read the Second Amendment, actually, Chisholm. Let's do that real quick. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And you and I have talked about about it on the show. Personal defense is secondary. The whole point of the Second Amendment is a free state. That is first and foremost. It's not about I'm walking down the street Society has gotten so bad that, yeah some, yeah, some places you need to be carrying a handgun, unfortunately. But that's not what the Second Amendment is about. It's about us protecting ourselves from tyrants like her. She's ready to go back to hypocrisy. I'm ready to go back to muskets. Okay, well, let's see your armed security walk around with muskets and see how that goes for you.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is, this is not about any... All this is about is stripping people of, of self-reliance and sowing chaos because her shithole well not her entire state right but cer- certainly manhattan mm-hmm. has one of the highest
1: new york you know, city i mean gun- it's the whole deal
2: yeah yeah new york all city has yeah. right all five boroughs have some of the highest rates of gun violence in the country and of the people who are committing those you know gun violent crimes 99.9 percent of them don't have a gun they don't own the gun legally in the first place let alone mm-hmm. have a permit to carry right The people who are willing to go through the process of getting a permit, which there will still be a process, it just won't let you bar somebody from getting a gun just based on the fact that they're not carrying cash around or or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Those aren't the people who are committing this gun violence unless they're in a true self-defense situation. They're not changing anything. We've talked about it all the time. The city of Chicago doesn't allow you to... Dude, it's almost impossible to own a gun in your own home inside the city of Chicago. Yet. Hundreds of people are murdered in the streets every weekend there with guns. None of this is about that. They're trying to strip good people with clean records of the ability to own a firearm so that they can sow the kind of chaos they've been sowing for two years, three years now. And, you know,
1: there's a a very very strong push by the left to try to manipulate the second amendment and just and like we were just talking about make it only about personal defense and yeah or hunting. they don't even really joe joe people... talks all the time about yeah. how
2: to hunt all you need is a shotgun and a, right. exactly. and a bolt action rifle right yeah
1: that's their messaging that's
2: not right in now. the second Amendment. right right let's it's I mean a... you know one of these days you and i'll be red flagged for episode two of this show where we made the argument that the day we stop talking about the security of a free state, and started talking about, you know, home defense and like Dan Crenshaw, at Rhino Cup, yep. <clears throat> wants to argue that you know AR-15s are the best weapon for a lady to defend herself at when her husband's away on a work trip. Screw you, Dan. It's not what the Second Amendment's ever been about. And as a Navy friggin' SEAL, you ought to know that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a hunter because I hunt. I hunted people. <laughs> Remember when he said that on your show?
1: Oh yeah. Cool guy. Okay. i had on uh tim kennedy on my other show this week <gasps> you did yeah i might just play that if, dude i i'm gonna uh that's awesome if you're okay with it i'll put it just like a separate just put that interview on justified I'm totally cool with that that's people he talked about hunting people versus hunting animals and uh what i asked him even what calibers he preferred for each <laughs> dude it was so cool um,
2: right, but he's not a douchebag that says you're not, you know, that that you're 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 beneath him because he he does both. Right?
1: He actually yeah. said, talks about how big of it he. So he has this new book out called uh, Right, yeah. Uh, Scars and Stripes, and um, he basically talks about how he was a huge douchebag in his early life. And like the book isn't about how great he is. It's look at my struggles, right. yeah. See what I've overcome, and you can do the same thing. You know, it's just right. like very uh, transparent. That dude is-
2: the dude is an amazing human being. And I, you know, I, I, I do want to read that book. Um, I've all, I've listened to him on with Rogan many times. I follow him on Instagram and stuff. And uh, I, I just, I love him more and more every time I get exposed to his, he's so smart, dude. Yeah. So beautifully articulate. And despite being like a fierce warrior, like, you know, dude, guy's an army uh, Green, Army Rain, yeah, Army Green so beret. Yeah, went into Afghanistan last year and was evacuating people. They evacuated like ten thousand people. Yeah. yeah, right, completely voluntarily. He's a champion level MMA fighter in multiple different. He was doing. He talked about it on Rogan two weeks ago. He was fighting in MMA before the UFC existed at like Indian reservations and stuff.
0: <laughs> that guy is a freaking
2: animal, and yet when you hear him talk, like he's this beautifully articulate, super compassionate, super smart, super thoughtful guy. I want to go, very, you, you and I should do this, dude.
1: Very nice. Like we should very humble. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. He seems like so. a fantastic human. He runs that sheepdog response. Like uh, did y'all talk about that? Uh, oh. so, he, so he has a couple of businesses in Austin. He has a jujitsu gym. Um, and then he has, and they're kind of interrelated. Right. But he has, uh, he has a company called sheepdog response, which is basically like preparedness training. Right, mm-hmm. so like you and I could go pay to go to a three-day class to learn, you know, some hand-to-hand combat stuff, some you know firearms training, uh, some you know emergency medical response training, um, you know, situational awareness training, all that type of stuff. Right, like his his goal is to prepare men and women across the country for uh, bad things. Right, yeah. and 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 I think he believes like you and i do that we seem to be facing an increasing risk of bad things so you know
1: here's what's uh, and i want people to listen to it so i won't spoil anymore but he founded a school because he was I, I brought up the you know the woke indoctrination starting at as early as kindergarten he goes yeah dude that's why i started a private school i was like really <laughs> what yeah, happened I mean, what has
2: this guy not done like nothing uh, there don't uh, you can't come up with it <laughs> he's done it all dude. He's, yeah yeah that's so um, cool man
1: so on a negative, though, let's kind of wrap this show up with we did just get the left got their way. They just passed a sweeping gu- anti-gun bill, probably the most restrictive in the past 30 years since the Clinton era uh, assault rifle ban. And the issue that I have with this is the. And it's written in there that they are going to incentivize states to enact their own red flag laws and they're going to do that with financial incentives
2: 8 billion dollars i think right
1: yeah the problem is again who determines who's red flagged if they went on my instagram they'd be like no this guy this guy's crazy he he hunts and has pictures of guns and already like he doesn't need another gun he's not mentally fit to for us to give him a firearm. It's just at their own discretion. And uh, that's the can of worms that it opens up. Yeah. And screw I can, um, John
2: Cornyn. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got four years like, left yet, I guess, right? Because right. didn't he? He got reelected in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I think that, I think that unless he can pull off a magic trick, I, I think old John signed his ticket out. Yeah. Uh,
1: I don't know. He maybe he's done. Like maybe he doesn't care. Like maybe he was. was he he, he has, has to have, to have been dad.
2: planning to retire, dude. Like I, I, don't. It's it's shocking to your point. Like what do you really think that that the average Texan, every Texan was horrified, disgusted, saddened beyond belief about what happened in Uvalde. Um. But damn near certainly every Texan that chair that values the Second Amendment realizes that. Um, sort of confiscating every firearm in America, you're not going to be able to stop that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also watching the news and seeing the DPS pointing out that uh, Police Chief Arredondo ordered the police to stand down when they were inside the building within four minutes, carrying ballistic shields, and that he he's, lied. That he he's lied. He's placed day after. on
1: administrative leave. By the way.
2: Yeah, dude, the truth about Uvalde is coming out every day and it's starting to look more and more corrupt. Have you seen that he is a campaign contributor to Beto O'Rourke and Joe Biden? Wow. You haven't seen that yet? No. Yeah. But
1: it's hardly surprising when we talked about Let this. Me, I, I, I was on record saying there's more to
2: this story. And I don't There was no doubt. Dude, yeah. none of it made sense. And now the DPS in the state of Texas is starting to show us maybe why it actually did make sense. And what a dude. There were, I think, four police at least that entered the building within four minutes of the first shots. Mm-hmm. This is from video evidence that is now readily available online showing I've, these yeah, men enter uh-huh. with ballistic shields that would stop a 223 round. And it, it was Arredondo who ordered them to stand out. They knew – I was with a 23-year member of the Austin PD this week. We were talking about this driving home, and he said, dude, when there are people being shot at, you are expected, trained, and taught to go, period. Like he said, there's no – in the job description. There's no excuse for what they did here, right? Now, there are certain situations, a hostage situation – is a standoff, right? But that's not what this was. This was an active shooter situation in a school. They had been trained on it just like two months earlier. They had gone through active shooter drills with the school and the police department. And yet they botched it horribly. The, 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 The DPS spokesman last week said, I can't remember exactly the phrase, but something like this is the absolutely egregious mishandling of the situation. At a minimum, right? Well, anyway, so Arradondo de- de- demands that they stand down. 55 minutes later, an off-duty Border Patrol agent borrows a shotgun, storms in, and puts the situation to bed. While 18 police officers stood outside, there was a man whose wife was shot, the, the teacher who was shot inside. Gets a phone call from his wife as she's bleeding out, and he grabs his firearm, tries to storm in, gets tackled by those same police and stripped of his arms, and his wife is left to die. Right there was another mother who got form-tackled handcuffs. Somehow got herself out of the handcuffs, got her ass inside, and saved her kids. Yeah. While the st- the police stood there and did nothing, all at the orders of police chief Arredondo.
1: Dude, it, it is a, claimed, it's a political deal. He claimed,
2: deal. The, he claimed the door. He claimed in the first twenty-four hours afterwards that, they, that, they, that the that the young man had locked the door from the inside, so they couldn't get in if they had wanted to without a battering ram, which would have put them at risk. I guess.
1: Locked the, 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 the DPS,
2: do- the, the door DPS to the classroom, has, wherever he was barricaded inside, it was head. a classroom. Those the, you could dude, kick, the, I could walk the, up to the, that the, door the, and
1: kick that door in. Chisholm,
2: the DPS has acknowledged it wasn't even true, it's not true, it wasn't locked from the inside. They had when they went in four minutes after the first shots were fired with ballistic shields that would have protected them, they were fully capable the DPS, the Texas Department of Public Safety has said they could have stopped it in his tracks right then and Arredondo told them not to. And like I just said, it is a matter of public record that he is a contributor to the Beto O'Rourke campaign for governor and his run for Senate and to the Joe Biden campaign.
1: Connecting the dots.
2: Sure seems fishy. But anyway, John Corden seems to think that Texans want to see their, you know, the, the the nation's Second Amendment protections eroded over that very strange, very fishy-smelling, very very spooky-feeling set of set of circumstances. Um, and while we all still mourn for what happened, um, I have a feeling that between now and twenty twenty-six, when he's up for reelection. A understanding of that story will have come forth that will mean that he is I sure hope it means he's politically doomed. But getting back to the bill, I haven't read it. I don't know the full scope of it. I've heard some talk about it. If I'm not mistaken, like two-thirds of the bill is all about mental health funding. Yeah. Right. Generally. Like it. In fact, it's like 30 pages in the document before guns are even referenced. Something like that. Like the whole first third is all about mental health.
1: I had a conversation. Health. With uh, Brian Lynn of the Sportsman's Alliance. And we were talking about this, and he brought up a good point. He's like, the mental health stuff, like, and we all agree, a lot of these crimes are committed by 18 year olds, right? Um, mm-hmm. And even conversations with my brother, where she wouldn't mind me saying this, like, we both agree. Sometimes 18 year olds are pss- immature, let's just say very immature, yeah, dude. make bad decisions. um Sometimes 21
2: year olds are immature too. Right. So, yeah. Okay. But, most of the but, time but a the lot of these days. shootings
1: have been carried out by 18 year olds. So should an 18 year old be allowed to buy an AR? Well, my take is do you, you're going to send an 18 year old old off to war with that weapon. So you, how could you tell them that they can't own it as a civilian? Number one. Um, but, but Brian was, was, he was very uh, on the mark when he said the mental health thing, isn't going to stop because most of these people don't have any red flags. So, you're going to try to prevent people from getting these ARs. Then you're going to subject them to a background check, which we already have. Like you can't be a felon and buy a gun. People need to realize, like, when you go to academy, they do a, a quick background check. Okay, this guy he, he can he's legally allowed to own a gun. Okay, blah blah blah. Uh, but an 18-year-old with no nothing on the on the record can still go in and buy that gun. And so these things are still going to happen. So the mental health thing, yes, we would all like mental health to be addressed in this country, right? That's a big problem. It's not going to affect these shootings. Because most. Of, what percentage of them are actually going to have a red flag, a legit one that's saying, oh, this person's like mentally unstable. Not very many, dude. And, and if they want a gun, they can still go get one. There's more guns in this country than there are people. There's 330 million people. There's way more guns than that. In the United States right now. So it's like you can't put the genie back in the bottle on this
2: thing. It's too late. Um, I don't don't disagree, but I don't like that argument. (laughs) Because that gives uh, Beto O'Rourke the steam to say then we should just start picking them up and melting them down. Um, (laughs) I'm of two minds of the whole thing. There's one part of me that says... Yeah, on its face it's not as bad as it certainly could have been but I'm also a firm believer in the slippery slope and the fact that the powers yeah. that be that want that want control are playing a very long game yeah right um, Just look at the grooming LGBTQRS tuV grooming stuff and you'll know that they've been working on all this for 40 something years right and all we're seeing now is that all come into fruition right so you pass or better yet. Look at the Patriot, look at going from 9 11 and the pet passage of the Patriot Act and the kind of things that we did in the name of the Patriot Act through to uh, you're now a domestic terrorist under the Patriot Act's revisions. If you get pissed off at a school board meeting for grooming uh, or, you know, CRT or whatever, or or, 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 yeah, right. Or you're a January 6th walkabouter, right? Now you're a domestic terrorist and we can hold you without due process, right? So that's a perfect example of the last two decades of. What the slippery slope is? So, okay, we passed red flag laws, and we've got Elon wanting to buy Twitter and verify all the users. And you can say whatever you want on Twitter, but now we have red flag laws, which means we'll be able to find you and say, "Hey, you say some crazy shit. We should take your guns away." Mm-hmm. That's that, that's how that works. And it's hard. I don't. It's hard for me to buy an argument that like, no, no, no. We'll be. We'll do it really fairly, and it'll only be like super dangerous people will take away the guns from. Like I said, I, I can fully see a scenario where the things we have said about the Second Amendment on this show. Would be grounds for preventing us from buying a gun, or like you pointed out, you know, just posting on pictures of them on Instagram becomes something that makes you a potential dangerous threat that must be neutralized in advance, right? Um, On the flip side, it ain't gonna happen in Texas that, you know, they could give all $8 billion to Texas. We're not getting red flag laws here. Yeah. Um, And the states that.
1: Well, unless Crenshaw has
2: his (laughs) way. Yeah, we well, won't. And I yeah. sure hope that the people of Katie Wise the hell up and get him out and sooner rather than later. But um, the, the one of the, my questions on that is states were already passing red flag laws. Are there any states in the union that were not mm-hmm. doing it because of funding? I doubt it. Right. Right. Why is the federal government stepping in and printing money in the midst of the worst inflation we've had in half a century. For no, something We need that, more
1: money for the vaccines and for the second pandemic. And now for need more money for the laws.
2: Hand yeah. out the money, not to the people of the United States of America. Dude. <clears throat> so Colin Noir, mm-hmm. right? Cole, I don't like calling him Colion because I think it, re- re- I love the guy. I respect the hell out of everything he's doing. But his, his pseudonym is strange. His name is Colin. <laughs> his last name's not Noir either, but that's not as odd to me as Coleon. Was on with Rogan the other day, right after Yuvaldi. And they were talking about hardening schools from a security standpoint. Hard Hardening meaning like making schools more robust against something like what happened there. A kid being able to just walk right in and shoot a bunch of kids up. And he pointed out that he was, he had, like been to and looked at and was familiar with this school somewhere. I don't even, I think he couldn't even remember exactly where it was, but that had spent, maybe he hadn't actually been there. He just read an article. They had spent $400,000 for this one school to harden its security with a comprehensive security system that included like automatic closing and locking doors, like, you know, every inch surveilled, you know, these different automatic triggers, bulletproof glass, da da right. Even little things like putting hedges in front of the windows, so you can't just like walk up to a window, bust it out, and go in. Right? Like, There's lots of things that can be done. $400,000, yeah, that kind of sounds like a lot of money. And he throws that out there, and, and Joe goes, so you're telling me we've got $40 billion to send to Ukraine, but we can't afford at $400,000 piece to harden our schools and make them safer and more preventative? And they were like, oh, so how, many, how many schools are there, Jamie? Jamie, look up. How many schools are there in the country? So he Googles it and he finds an estimate that there's like 197,000 schools uh-huh. total. Uh, and I, I don't know if that was just public or private or, or whatever, but, and so they were like, uh, so how much is that? Oh, okay. Well, so that's a lot, but they didn't stop and do the math. I wish that one of the two would have grabbed their damn phone and punched in 197,000 times 400,000. You know how much it is? I oh, rounded 10. it up. 200,000, I rounded it up to 200,000 schools times 400,000 is $80 billion. Mm. We spent, we just sent one one $40 billion package to Ukraine. If you add in all the other money that we've spent on Ukraine, we're at like, what, probably 60 already? Just this year on just that? But you could spend close to half a million dollars on every school in the country and it would only cost 80 billion? And he pointed out, we're not talking about turning these schools into prisons. These are things you could do that wouldn't even change the visual aesthetics of the school. Mm-hmm. It could still look like a nice, pretty, peaceful, happy place. But you know, when some jackass decides to do something atrocious, but you know, commit an atrocity, it just locks them down. Eighty billion dollars is all it would take. But instead, but, but, but here's the thing, dude. Instead, we need to be able to surveil American citizens and take their guns away if they say the wrong thing on the internet. That's Biden... the best way to handle it.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But Biden's already on record as saying that he doesn't want to harden schools. But I don't understand why. What, what, what hey, American listen. that loves kids listen. doesn't want to harden is <laughs> such a dude. That, that's the wrong Herodontal. adjective. Listen. You're not hardening the kids. Listen, you're making it harder for someone to kill the kids. So you're not listen. really
2: hardening the entity. No, because all they want to do is take your guns away so that we can't stop their revolution when it comes. Listen, what I just described about Arradondo and Uvalde, right? There's no, everybody has seen since day one that there is no effing excuse why 18 police officers stood outside tackling terrified parents who were trying to save their kids while a psycho shot them up inside. There's right. no friggin' excuse. One man cults told them to stand down. That man is tied directly to gun control activist Democrats in this country. So... You can plausibly you know contend. You're Did he a get a phone call? Theorist, Did he theorist. get a phone call? Did they sacrifice those kids in the name of gun control? Oh, that sounds 100%, crazy, dude. That no. sounds crazy, but then you look at the point you just made and you say, Why aren't we willing to spend money to harden schools? You sound like you're willing to sacrifice more kids because we could sure as hell spend that money to harden those schools a hell of a lot faster than you guys could possibly confiscate. Three hundred and thirty million firearms in this country. Right, we could have that shit done by the end of the year, and what would that be? That would actually be like a little bit of an economic boost. I mean, it would cause. More oh my gosh! Could you at so least we'd be spending money inside the United States of America? It could be over friggin' seas.
1: The summer right? of twenty twenty three. This this summer is already it's too late. They could. They dude. They could. It could be such an economic boom. Think about how much money that would put into local economies if every school in America had let's just say half a million dollars to increase amp up their security. I mean, my buddy, uh, one of my best friends works for the city of McKinney school district, McKinney ISD. And what he does every summer is um, redo air conditioning vents, redo aesthetics on schools. No, they actually just put in a thing at my kid's school uh, at the front to make it harder for people to enter. Uh, so added security. And yep. they're already doing stuff like that. You could just pump that money right into those local ISDs.
2: And oh, but it's too easy. It's it's too, too easy, Chisholm. And anybody who is listening to this show that thinks that politicians in this country are not perfectly willing to sacrifice some children to grab more power, you have not been listening to this show long enough. You have not checked out the citations we've included in the show notes, and you are asleep because you can go back to the early 1960s and look up something called Operation Northwoods where the United States Joint Chiefs of Staff wanted to shoot an American airliner out of the sky and blame it on the Cubans to give us a reason to invade Cuba. And thank God JFK said, we ain't effing doing that. You can go back to the early 1980s when the CIA selected some random dude to fly drugs into Mena, Arkansas, and then distribute those drugs all across the country basically creating the crack cocaine epidemic that 10 years later Joseph R Biden used as an excuse to pass the crime bill that put half a million black men in jail for drug crimes right in the meantime the drug crimes that were being that were occurring because the United States government was flying those drugs into the into the country were causing the death of tens of thousands of you know teenage boys across this country in street gang warfare right you can look at the fact that we get screamed at Black Lives Matter, and then when you point out, what about the several hundred black kids that are killing each other in the streets of Chicago? They're like, yeah, we're not talking about those ones. We want a to take Fox away the uh,
1: A Fox this News story. analyst. Like, dude, they don't
2: care. It's not Did just that they that? don't care. They've done these things. They have done these things. They have willingly sacrificed American citizens for power. They always have. So don't be friggin' naive. It's entirely possible that's what happened in Valley. In fact, there's no other explanation for it. Because those cops should have friggin' stopped it, then its tracks four minutes after it started.
1: We said it then, and it just looks like uh,
2: (laughs) more. Sadly, every day more information comes out. Yeah, go ahead. What were you saying about Fox? Oh, I was just
1: gonna say a Fox News analyst, uh, African American guy. His teenage brother got gunned down in Chicago this weekend. Nobody cares. Nobody
2: cares. Oh, oh, look at the fact that they're willing to rip a nine-month-old, you know, unborn baby limb from limb and that they cheer about it. That they cheer about it. And then you and then and then tell me seriously that you don't think that they're willing to you know crack a few eggs to make their gun control omelet. <laughs> uh, All right. Look at the way they talk about abortion. And then think about the fact that one man in Uvalde told almost 20 police to stand down which allowed 18 children and two teachers to be shot dead. And if you can't connect the dots, you're hopeless. You're a non-player character who's asleep. I'm not saying you have to buy it, to... but you should be willing to consider it because it doesn't make any sense any other way. Go ahead.
1: No, I mean, kids are our most precious resource. And the fact that not only were they not willing to go in there and protect them, that the person of, of authority told them not to do that no there's where there's smoke there's fire man There's like there's Dude. so much more to that story and it, i think sadly it is what we are saying it is like i'm willing okay, just to uh, call it right man. now like it is
2: he I, and the thing is i don't think he was just like a like a donor to beto now i'm not entirely sure about this and then the I next thing you see is, is papal- beto
1: uh, like
2: he was, there. he was there like the day after
1: greg abbott at a press conference
2: he was there the day after yeah. I know he contributed cash because that's documented. what I, I have to go back and relook up, and everybody else has Google too. I think he's actually like a political operative of the Beto campaign. The one who said, Hell, yes, we're coming for your guns. Yeah That guy let eighteen kids and two teachers get shot because he told his police officers to stand down. God. <laughs> I, I, I sincerely pray for those, those, those police. I think it was... How many, do you know how many police were on, on scene? It was at least the same number as kids, right? It was like 18, I think.
1: Yeah, there were, I think I read 18 police officers were there. 20?
2: 40? Yeah, I thought it was 18. It's just a coincidence, I guess, that it's the same number of kids that got shot. There were an mm-hmm. equal number of police standing outside. I can't imagine. To, I can't to imagine fight one PTSD. 18-year-old
1: kid with an AR. How eighteen armed officers.
2: sick are those men today and how sick will they be for the rest of their lives that they followed that order and stood down when they could have done something?
1: Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right. I'm out of gas. I know you are as well.
2: We'll do it again. Um, well, it really ended, First we ended we, on a sour note despite like smashing victories in the Supreme Court to the start the stories to start the day.
1: Yeah, we really
2: did. Bring it, bring it full circle. Don't forget that uh, that the sanctity of life is now protected, as is the right to carry. So that's cool.
1: And also, don't forget to uh, make sure you're planning for the second pandemic because it's coming.
2: We were talking one, yeah, one, one more thing on the Uvalde deal. We were talking about it on the drive home from Colorado um, because we got into a conversation about you know, no, the, the the question in in any believer and certainly any doubter's mind of why does terrible things like that happen if there's a loving gracious God that's in control right I think I've talked here about how you know when we say God created a perfect world it doesn't mean that it's all sunshine and rainbows all the time because you can't appreciate the sunshine if there's not darkness right that's why God put the serpent in the in the garden in the first place that's why he allowed the temptation to happen that's why he called it the tree of good and the knowledge of good and evil right and that's why he gave us free will because he wants us to choose him right and that means that there's going to be bad things that happen but we are taught in throughout the bible that when these bad things happen that god will use them for good and so that begs the question like does god cause the bad things for the good or does god know that by giving us free will and allowing evil to exist that bad things will happen but if you turn to him you can find the good and that's what i've right? God didn't let Uvalde happen. A sick psychopath kid did that. He may have even been groomed to do so, but that's a bridge I'm not re- ready to go all the way down with y'all at the moment. Lots of weird stuff in terms of how quickly he was able to buy an AR-15 and a bunch of ammo online in a 48-hour period. But set that aside and move like tactically through a school, but either way. <clears throat> Bad thing happened. The Bible tells us something good will come of it. What could possibly come with it, right? Maybe you and I are wrong and red flag laws will help prevent these things and will help sell, save children's lives. Maybe we're completely wrong in our beliefs about how important the second amendment is. That's entirely possible, time will tell. Maybe, unfortunately, the outcome is we'll learn that Eridondo was acting in bad faith because of his political connections. And maybe we'll even go as far as to find that some call came in from the FBI telling him to stand down and and let this happen. And therefore, a number of conflicted humans with free will who are being influenced by the devil allowed this to happen. And the outcome will be that that gets unveiled to the people of the United States. And the idea of false flag operations will go from the realm of conspiracy theories to something that requires serious reform within our government at the state, federal, and local level. That remains to be seen, too. Um, but as far as the good that comes from tragedy and hardship, uh, all that has to play itself out in God's time. So, uh,
1: I guess We can't understand it. Dude. I can't pretend right. to understand it. Yeah. I think that's probably the number one thing that um, would-be believers struggle with is why do bad things happen to good people?
2: Well, if you go to the Bible, you'll find plenty of references to the corruption of, uh, you know, well, the human heart, first and foremost, right? But specifically, when you combine a whole bunch of human hearts into giant bureaucratic governmental entities, um, they can be pretty oppressive and pretty evil, right? That's pretty clear. Uh, throughout the Bible, uh, all the mm-hmm. way through the Gospels. So, um, if our hunch about this tragedy is accurate, um, the debauchery and the uh, the callousness of the of the United States government, uh, and again, even potentially state and local governments, um, would be on full display. And again. Right. We are told for thousands of years that that's pretty much exactly what you can expect from a government. Mm-hmm. Right. Anybody who thinks your government is a benevolent force for good. That just should just not like crack open, crack open a history book, spend a little bit of time on Google. Yeah. You'll find out that's not true real quick. and that yeah. includes our own government. Oh yeah. No, I'm done.
1: Never more so than today. Unfortunately, Um, All right, well, that's going to do it for episode 83 of Justified Pursuit. For Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith,
2: and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Sam Alito, you're my hero.
0: Fly here.